I get another amen. amen. So here's what I love. I love that every time we come into God's presence, there's something fresh that we're 
receiving. And today, we're going to be receiving our friend, David Bailey. Will you come up, David? And let's welcome him with a crossroads welcome. Let's welcome him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what we, what we know is that God uh, gave us David at a time that he didn't even realize it. It was uh, actually um, some time ago before you were a part of the training center, and you came and spoke at our alumni gathering. And so that was our first introduction to you. And there were some things going on in us that, I mean, the dam burst. And we, we cried in that service that night after your speaking in our inner and we had to go home. We actually had to go home. We didn't stay for the rest of the retreat because, was, because God was doing a work in us. Yeah. And, um, and so you didn't know that. I haven't told you that no, part so, of our yeah, story that'll be, that'll be for the drive after everything's done today. <laughs> <laughs> tell you more That's about right. that. We haven't gotten into that story. Uh-huh. And so I just want you to know you're in safe hands. Um, you know, yes, you know, David is the executive director of Arabon and uh, just this major force in the world through urban doxology and imparting to people the ways that they can cultivate a soul of reconciliation, but he's not the savior. In fact, yeah, the thing right. we love about David is that, you know, as a part of the transforming uh, community, he's going to a treat- retreat when he leaves here to spend time in God's presence and listen. Yeah. So he's not just a talking head, he's a receiving son of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we just love you, we bless you, we honor you, and we can't wait to hear what you're going to say today. Amen? Amen. 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 Yeah, so um, one thing that really drew me about kind of David's bio was uh, this term, a cultural theologian. And when I first read that, I thought, wow, that is an awesome... You ever hear titles? Like, people, some people have titles, or in their bio it says something, and you're like, that sounds great, but I don't have a clue in life what that means. <laughs> and then, about five minutes into hearing David speak, you will feel what that means. And I so love the way that you communicate, and you can draw in, because of the presence of God in your life, mm-hmm. you can draw people in in such a gracious, beautiful way, and have conversations that we all need to have, and we all want to have, I believe, and do it in a way that just honors God so much. You are such a gift. And I, Claire and I are so excited for our congregation to be able to experience your presence today. So mm-hmm. we thank God for you, David. Thank you. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And so together, friends, can we just mm-hmm. bow our heads and just say, God, we're as open as we can be. And may we hear the words that you're speaking to each of us individually. We trust your voice, God, through our friend David today. And that we will hear what is ours to hear. In the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, um, I am really full just emotionally already. I just got to say, one, um, I, my degree is in music, and um, I uh, worked for many years as a, a professional musician, and so then now as a preacher, when I go to a lot of churches, it's really tough when you get up and the worship team sucks before you, like, like, <laughs> like you know, but, but this worship team, 
I, I knew Sky and Claire. Like I, they didn't tell me they had like Mary J and Anderson <laughs> Pack and and John Mayer and, and and Fantasia leading us. I mean, it was like I'm like, man, y'all bless me, you know. And then y'all did the uh, Black National Anthem, and I mean, I just every time I, I hear that song, I just get so emotion. I would highly recommend y'all read all three verses written by James Weldon Johnson. I mean, it's just such a, a really profound piece. Um, you know, I, so I, I didn't realize that we, 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 we met at the alumni retreat, but the first time I was aware that we met, I preached um, a sermon on circumcision, and then um, Scott and Claire were like, hey, can you come and preach in my church after that? So I was like... <laughs> I was like, so y'all are different kind of pastors, I can see, right? <laughs> um, you know, and, and they are, and I feel so at home here. This is just amazing. I just really do feel like I, I, I have met cousins that I didn't know about. And so just so thankful for um, this. Uh, so, yeah, I do lead a ministry called Erebon, and um, it's, you know, they, they said, hey, could you come and speak about, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, can you come and speak about uh, cultivating the soul of reconciliation? And even though that's our tag, I realized that we ne- I, didn't, I never had a sermon on that. And so, like, so it's been good to be able to uh, share uh, about that today. And I'm going to be coming out the, we're going to start in Exodus. But, you know, Scripture is a story of um, the story of God revealing God's self but then God also revealing humanity. And a lot of times people can get f- confused when you see the raw brokenness of humanity, then you want to ascribe a lot of that stuff to God. But there are two stories going on. There's the, the, the aspect of like the good, bad, and ugly of humanity. But then you also have uh, uh, the, the nature of who, who, who God is. And so particularly for those of us who are Christians, we see the Bible um, starting in the book of Genesis, where the book of Genesis is called The Beginning, which that is true, um, and, and we look at Genesis through Revelation. But if you were like Hebrew people, you actually see the beginning of your story really in Exodus, because it's the origin story of your people. And so really what we want to do is look at Exodus as the origin story of the people of God. And so... In the story of Exodus, it's a really fascinating story because God made a promise to the father of the Israel people named Abraham that God would bless them and they would be a blessing uh, to many nations. Uh, But they end up finding themselves in the midst of the greatest empire of its time called Egypt. It was uh, an oppressive situation where they were enslaved people and they were uh, oppressed. And you see that they cried out to God and God heard their cry and God sent this guy named Moses to come and be an agent to bring deliverance to the people of God that were engaging with oppression and didn't know what to do. Another way of seeing the book of Exodus is is that there was an insecure public official that decided to change the immigration policy and then God intervened. Y'all will get that on the way home some other time. But like, (laughs) 
But, but one of the things you want to see that God reveals God's self is that God is a liberating God to an oppressed people. God is a liberating God to an oppressed people. And this is really important to the forming and shaping of God's people because we have to know that we serve a God that is a liberating God to an oppressed people. And even though some of us may be in places of privilege and, 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 and we aren't engaging with that level of oppression, maybe economically or politically, but this is our origin story. And God constantly throughout Scripture says, do not forget that you were once enslaved people. Do not forget that you once were a foreigner. Do not forget that you needed the mercy of God to intervene in your life. That you might be a person that economically or uh, uh, politically or or even just in, in life maybe are free to go and to do things. But in reality, all of us in our own personal life have some level of pressure that we need God to intervene on. I spend a lot of time, I, I live in an under-resourced community that's going through uh, gentrification right now. Um, in my just public speaking life, I, I, uh, and even some of my fundraising life, I, I, I'm in and out of gated communities. And one of the things that I see in the inner city is that the blood is on the streets. But then when I go to gated communities, there's a lot of internal bleeding. And by the time you find out what's going on, it is like a cold blue situation. We are all oppressed people needing the liberation of God. And, and what's, what's really interesting in Exodus 12, right before this great scene of liberation that will be a hallmarker for the people of God, it's called the Passover and what, what, what God does, when God's going to intervene after the showdown that's been going on between Moses and Pharaoh, Moses is representing God. Uh, uh, Pharaoh is, is representing uh, the powers of the evil one within this empire. Uh, and the very last showdown, before God delivers them, he, that God gives instructions to Moses that they, uh, you know, should, should do certain things. But then not only uh, so that God can kind of pass over the judgment of the empire. Um, so he says, like, hey, even though you're in the midst of the empire, uh, we're going to have you to, like, sacrifice a lamb, uh, put some blood over the lampposts. When the angel of death kind of comes and, and judgment comes, this not, judgment's not going to come on your house. But what I want you to do is I want you to engage in a ritual of celebration called the Passover. So this is where we're starting our text today. In Exodus 12, 14, it says, This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate the Passover as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all times. Now, one of the things that God, that we established that God has revealed about God's self is that God is a, a liberating God for an oppressed people. But it's another thing that we need to understand that God is a partying God for a party people. <laughs> Do you realize that this commandment, that this Passover is a festival, it is a party, and he is saying that even though I am delivering you from your oppression, what I want you to do is actually to take this on as a celebration, as an act of worship. Brothers and sisters, do you see God as a partying God for a party people? 
I mean, this is what the scriptures are. Like, a matter of fact, there were seven festivals throughout the year, these different seasons that they would have, and, they, and part of the act of worship was they were supposed to be engaging in a partying God for a partying people. And here's some of the instructions in verse 15. It says, for seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. And on the first day of the festival, remove every trace of yeast from your homes. Anyone who eats bread made with yeast during the seven days of the festival will be cut off from the community of Israel. Now, here's the thing. You might say, oh, man, we're we're like an inclusive people. Like, why would we cut somebody off? That's like me. But have you ever had like an addiction or like you had like alcohol and you might have had some friends who were like, hey, you could just get one more. Or you, you, you've, you know, you've had this kind of relationship with somebody and you're like, hey, you know, oh, you, you can see them a little bit, but you know they aren't healthy. They're toxic for you and you, you need to cut them off. See, when we are people that are called to be liberated people, there are some people that you got to cut off. They don't want to be part of your liberation. Now, I know I won't get a whole lot of shouts and amens for that one, but it is true (laughs) that that is part of the thing. You cannot be around party poopers. People that are going to keep you bound. And then in verse 16, it says, On the first day of the festival, and again on the seventh day, all the people must observe an official day for a holy assembly. Do no work at all on these days, except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. So, and it's really interesting that, 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 that God is like, hey, I want you, um, I am about to like set you free. And what I want you to do is to engage in a party as an act of worship. And the, I want you to rest and to enjoy in that liberation. And the only thing I want you to do is to make sure everybody can eat. You know, I, my mom is a um, great hosp- hospitable woman. Every Sunday, my family gets together and eat. And like, there's always room for one more. You cannot leave that house without being full. You just you, you make sure that everybody has something. And she's always been, like, really, I learned generosity through my parents. And that's the way the people of God are supposed to be, right? We're supposed to be people that are a liberated people uh, um, uh, that, that used to be oppressed, but are liberated from a, a liberating God, that we are, are be a partying people um, for a partying God, and we need to make sure everybody has a place and a seat at the table that desires to be there. Amen. So... We see that God is a liberating God for an oppressed people, and we see that God is a partying God for a party people, but it's important to understand that God is a reconciling God for a broken people. Do you realize the kind of trauma that 400 years of slavery can do? Do you realize, like, all the things that they had to go through, the ways, the kind of abuse that they were doing, the way that messed up with their psyche? And what God did was, in a moment... During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go and worship the Lord as you requested. So they knew that the point of their liberation wasn't just to be free for freedom's sake. The point of liberation was for worship. To to, to worship the one that liberated them. In America, we like freedom for freedom's sake. 
But no, we need freedom to be able to worship the one true and living God. And so they see that God delivered them from Egypt in a moment, but then it took a long period of time to get Egypt out of them. God had to do the work of reconciliation and, and mending them back together and bringing healing so that they could, because they were a broken people. And here's the thing that we can miss oftentimes. In verse 38, the writer helps us to know that it wasn't just the Israels, the Israelites were the only people that, that, that went along with them. He says many other people went with them. So in your journey of liberation, God is always asking us to invite whomsoever will to be part of that freedom that God is calling folks to do, not for freedom's sake, but for the sake of worship. So it was in the midst of the wilderness that God took them on this long journey to help take a broken people and to reconcile and to bring them back together. Many of us go through a wilderness experience between, of, the, between this, 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 this Egypt that we have and this promised land that God is calling us to. And being in the wilderness can stink. It's horrible. It's uncomfortable. It's hot. It's like, you know, you always have this temptation of like, do I go back to the way things used to be or do I move forward? But it's in the midst of the wilderness where, where, where healing takes place, where the endurance to, to take over the land that God has promised you, you're, you're building that endurance in the middle of the wilderness. But you see, the people of God resisted that. They oftentimes resisted it. There was one generation that just was like a lost cause, and there was a new generation that had to to, to remember the things that God was calling them to, to be equipped to to possess the land. And and God said, hey, you're strong enough to possess the land, and then they had to to fight a battle to possess the land. Eventually, they did that, but then what ended up happening was uh, um, they they didn't want to just, like, uh, uh, let God to really be God. Well, they said, hey, we want to have a king, and we want to do things like the way the other empires do things. But God was like, hey, I don't want you to be like the other empires. I want you to be a person, like a kingdom of priests, a, a mediators. I want you to be reconcilers. I want you to be peacemakers. I want you to be a different type of community. But they didn't want to be a different kind of community. And eventually God had to send the second Moses. That God had to send a David that was going to be a king. That was going to, uh, Moses that was going to be a prophet. That God was going to send a, because of that, was going to be a priest. And his name was Jesus. Jesus was a liberating God for an oppressed people. Jesus didn't decide to come as a Roman citizen, but Jesus came uh, to an unwed teenage mother didn't live in the gated community of the country club, but a place could anything good come out of Compton or, or, or Ferguson or Nazareth. Jesus didn't spend time like with people who, 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 who had national platforms um, to give his sermon on the mount. Like, I would have missed it. Like, Jesus, 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 like, got the people who were beggars, who were down and out, the folks that were prostitutes. And he decided to give the greatest sermon ever to those group of folks. And thank God somebody wrote it so that I could read it. 
Jesus was a liberating God to an oppressed people group. Jesus was a partying God to a party people group. There were folks that were like, hey, you hang out with some, what kind of rabbi, what kind of son of God would hang out with sex workers? Would hang out with with even people from the IRS. I mean, you know, tax people, right? You know he had to be shady, right? Like they were like, "There's no anything good come out with hanging with those kind of people that manipulate that 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 are unsavory people." But he was constantly at the parties. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters: Jesus was at the party, but he didn't do everything people at the party did. Jesus was a holy God. We are supposed to be a holy people. But then Jesus also kept up with the Passover, right? He kept his Jewish distinctiveness. And then you see, Jesus was a reconciling God to a broken people. He would connect folks that, that, that were not connected to the temple. He would reach across different gender, economic, and ethnic boundaries, See, this word Erebon, it means a foretaste of things to come, a pledge and inheritance. And, and see, the way it's used in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit is given to the church as a foretaste of the kingdom of God that's to come. Well, here's the world. The world doesn't get the Holy Spirit. What the world gets is the church. And we're supposed to be a foretaste of the kingdom of God to come, just like the way Jesus was a foretaste of the kingdom of God that was to come. And when we practice reconciliation in the divided world, we are a foretaste of the kingdom of God on earth. You know, we talk about cultivating the soul of reconciliation. Like when you look at our logo, you see it's like a stained glass window, but in the middle of, of, of the word Arabon and even the middle of the window is an A that looks like a table. And this table represents that so much of God's work happens around the table. My friend Margaret says it this way, that Jesus uh, ate his way through the Gospels. He was like going from a one meal to another meal and doing like miracles in between, right? <laughs> and so like this is the thing that we are so much of God's work supposed to happen around the table. But Jesus constantly had people that he was eating meals with that shouldn't have been together. He had both the tax collector and the zealot. He had the person that was against the system and the person that was a part of the system. One person watched Fox News, the other person watched fake news. <laughs> right? And they were both his disciples. He created a table that was uh, um, big enough but great enough for folks to be able to see their shallowness of their vision of how flourishing can happen. Because the kingdom of God was so bigger and his hospitality, table hospitality was so great that it said, you know what? I need to not just like have my faith in the Roman system. I need to not have my faith in disrupting and fighting against the Roman system. I need to have my faith in the kingdom of God. But then this table and this communion, uh, 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 this table and, and, and the stained glass kind of also represents the table of communion. You know, Jesus participated in the Passover. And you notice how in Exodus it said that this is something that's supposed to happen for every generation. So what happened in Jesus' last Passover when he's, you know, doing this thing with his disciples, um, the Apostle Paul records this Passover 
time, and it says, like, hey, he pivots it to what we call communion now. And Apostle Paul said like this in 1 Corinthians. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, remember of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, brothers and sisters, the, the, the drinking of communion is supposed to be an act of healing for us. It is something that we're supposed to do as we remember that, that Jesus' broken body was our agency to, in the medium in which we receive our healing. It's not even just the healing for us personally, it's the healing for us communally. And so as we take communion, this is where God is doing true reconciliation, not only with God, but also with one another. This is a true cross-centered communion. A cross-centered communion is is a reconciliation that's both vertical and horizontal. You know, back in the 90s, there was this really great um, movie called Soul Food. It was, you know, uh, man, particularly, you know, as a teenage boy in the 90s, I was so up for seeing any movie with Vanessa Williams, uh, (laughs) Nia Long, and Vivica Fox. And uh, and so (laughs) what the movie was about was about a grandmother that brought a family together around a table. And there was a practice that she did, and they would all come together and they would eat. But you know at family meals, that could be a place where a lot of dysfunction could show up. Yes. <laughs> and, and a lot of dysfunction did show up. And that was kind of like what the whole movie, you know, started to kind of see the dysfunction and how it all got resolved. But I think the original soul food dysfunction was in 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul was kind of talking about communion, where the early church in Corinth, they started like the dysfunction amongst them began to show up. And I'm going to read a little bit to you. It says, in the following directors, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. At some extent, I believe it. Sounds like 2020, 2021 to me. It says, no doubt there have to be differences amongst you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another one gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you uh, despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Or certainly not in this matter. See, there are some of us that are so privileged that we don't have to think about those who don't have need. There are some of us who have bought so much in a lousy fair economy means kind of like there's this kind of invisible hand that will bring about 
like equity, righteousness, and justice. And any look at history of humanity knows that people do not just automatically help out poor people. It's the people of God that are called to have that level of consciousness. But in America, there's so many of us who have bought into this deception. And we've, negle- we, we've, we've neglected so much of what God's called us to do as the people of God. Now, I know I'm meddling in some people's politics, but you know, I'm, I'm going to get on the other side too. There's some of us that think God's kingdom will come through government. And, you know, I'm a black man in America. We have no friends on Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> they use us as pawns either way. So if you think salvation is going to come through, through any kind of political party, again, read the history books. Look at the politics going on right now. We better believe in the kingdom of God. So he says, so then whenever... Whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in the way by in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Do you realize there are people that are resistant to being woke? And all it means is to be awake. And and, and part of the judgment is falling asleep. Brothers and sisters, we are sick here in America. 60% of, of Americans consider those with a different political view as enemies rather than opponents. Since 2016, Thanksgiving dinners are almost an hour shorter in families with differing political views. I was talking to a pastor, and he says, over this last year, I realized that I am not really people's pastors. Their media source is their pastor. You, you, you got people who are changing churches over mass mandates. You got folks that, that like, if you think about this, about all of the protests about kids uh, during the pandemic, like, and them having to wear a mask, but yet there wasn't up, upheaval about all of the thousands and maybe even millions of kids who didn't have internet to be able to do learning. That's heartbreaking. We're sick. And, and, and the problem is, is that the body of Christ is not looking different than the world. Because our formation is happening from, from the politics that it is actually through the word of God. And it doesn't matter to me whether it's conservative secular politics or progressive secular politics. 
Neither one is the kingdom of God. In 2020 and 2021, man, we have had a, a significant upheaval in politics where people think violence is a reasonable course of action. Now, let me, let me, let me say this. Like, in the response, like, there's such an agitation that was going on in race by the time George Floyd happened that, you know, some of it was violence against actual people, but a lot of it was violence against property. Then you go to January 6th, and you have an attack on the Capitol, and then it being violence against people and officers, and some folks were back to blue in 2020, and then in 2021, they just got started stuttering. We live in a crazy time where people think that their cause is so righteous that they need to commit violence. And as the people of God, we got to give an alternative to this. It's the extreme left and extreme right that's like tearing our countries apart. But then here's the thing. We're allowing the extreme left and extreme right to tear our churches apart. The only thing that could, can, can, can be the answer is cross-centered communion. Where we see that we got to ask, hey, God, what are you saying? God, where do I examine myself? Brothers and sisters, where have I fallen short? Where, where am I not meeting your needs? And, and we can't get our definition of reality from our media sources. We've got to get our definition of reality from God and one another. Cross-center communion reminds us of a liberating God to an oppressed people, a partying God to a party people, and a reconciling God for a record a broken people. And this is how we cultivate the soul of reconciliation. Let us pray. Lord, I just pray you would give people ears to hear what your spirit is saying. I'm a flawed human being. I don't have it all right. The one thing, and I, and I, I hope that everybody on the side of my voice will hear, my hope is in the kingdom of God. My hope is in Jesus. My hope is in the power of the Holy Spirit. All human systems fail. But the one thing that will last forever is your kingdom. So, Lord, I pray for each of us that we would discern what is our peace in, 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 in the work of cultivating reconciliation. Help us not to be so overly concerned with those people out there. But, Lord, help us to understand what's going broken on inside here, inside of me, inside of our community, like in our church. And then out of that, hopefully we become transformed people that can transform our communities. But if there's anybody that's just like caught up in my pushing back on them on the political side of stuff, Lord, I just pray that you just help them to be open to what, what you're saying. 
I'm not their judge. You are their judge. I pray, Lord, that you would help them in, in that area, Lord. For people who need encouragement right now, I pray, Lord, that you would yes, be encouraged. Folks that are, I feel like they got to they give up, help them to know the kind of God that you are and that, that, that you, you're about this mission. Lord, I just pray, just even for some of the things I've just been hearing about here in this community, Breaks my heart to hear that there are, are kids that are going to school or a building that's on a landfill. And that adults can't say no kids should be going to school on a landfill. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how to make this thing work. And I wish that this, this story of schools uh, of, of, of poor kids and generally they tend to be black or brown or immigrant communities uh, on these schools or landfill. I wish it was just only like in one isolated area. But this is the story in Richmond and all over the country because of years and years and years of racism. Help the people of God be the people of God and not be partisan. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. I do pray for this church. That this church would be a church of transformation. That both the love and the love of God and love of neighbor will mean that your kingdom will come on earth as in heaven here in this community. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you all to get your communion elements ready as our Sean and Kelly join us here. And if you don't have any and you need some help, just raise your hand. Charles is back there at the table. I'm sure he'll help out. And I love it that our Sean and Kelly have said yes to this mission this morning. Um, You know, our Sean, who teaches at Harrington and Kelly, who um, served as chief of staff and now dean of students at the the college, um, I feel like we have a story right here in front of us, even as you prayed, right? And so I'm going to ask us to stand um, and know that if any of us are not free and liberated, then none of us are free and liberated. We are only as free as all of us are. And so this is our invitation from God, friends. I hope we can hear it this morning as we pray. God of all peoples, whose son reached across the ethnic boundaries between Samaritan, Roman, and Jew, Help us to break down the barriers in our communities. Enable us to see the reality of racism and bigotry. And free us to challenge and uproot it from ourselves, our society, and our world. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. We recognize favor you have given each of us. May we use those gifts in service to our neighbor. We pray for all victims of racial hatred and discrimination, and we seek your protection for those affected in our churches, our schools, our places of work, 
and our communities. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. We pray for all in our world of whatever race who suffered the horrors of modern slavery. Your son came to bring good news to the poor and freedom for the oppressed. We pray for all working to combat modern slavery and to end human trafficking, for governments and agencies, for church and other faith leaders, for businesses, charities, and individuals. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. We pray for ourselves, for what we have done and what we have failed to do. May we be voices against oppression and channels of the transforming power of the gospel. Open our hearts to all who suffer in our midst, but out of sight. Help us to work for a world where human beings are valued and no one used against their will for another's pleasure, privilege, or need. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. As Jesus taught us, we pray for our enemies, especially God, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. We pray that we may cultivate a soul of reconciliation. Wherever there is division between us and others because of our race or ethnicity, we pray that we may all be led to reconciliation. We pray for all who work to bring communities together in ways that are just and equal for all, especially. And let's especially pray for Erebon this morning and for David and for his wife Joy and all those who are serving in these ways that are helping us do an inward search to be able to hear what you're saying to us individually. We pray protection over them and provision that, God, that their bodies would be healthy and strong, especially for joy right now. We pray, God, that there would be miracles out of nowhere, provisions made, and that they would be surprised by joy in this season, that they would be surprised by the grace that has come after so many years of labor and and travail. Would you bless them, God, we pray as Crossroads Church. Would you bless them and all those that they're going to that want to be centers of reconciliation because they're centers of transformation. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. As we cultivate a soul of reconciliation, we pray also for restoration. We pray for those whose spirits and communities have been weighed down by racism. Guide us as we strive to ensure everyone has equal dignity. Lord, in your mercy. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. And now in the silence, we name what we can't say out loud. We listen for your Holy Spirit to lead us to faith, hope, and the greatest of these, which is love.
And together we pray that prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. For thine, yes, deliver us from evil. Especially deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. And as you open the elements of communion, our Sean and Kelly will ask you to just stay and come on up. Hannah's laughing because nobody ever knows what I'm going to (laughs) do. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, so I'm going to invite you to take the bread. You guys can come right to the table. All right. And we're going to hold this bread. And if you want to hold it up, go ahead. If you want to hold it in your hand and look at it and the reality of Jesus calling this to be not only liberated by a reconciling God, but a partying people with a partying God. Invited to the table. He took that bread and broke it. And I just invite you to break the bread. And then said, take this, all of you, and eat. This is my body given for you. And every time you eat, remember me. And together we say, Jesus, we remember you. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this is the cup commemorative of my blood. And every time you take this cup and drink it, remember the forgiveness that was given for you, for me, the forgiveness offered to all those around you, the forgiveness offered to humanity. Mm -hmm. It's at this place that we come into agreement around the cross, the cup of communion, the bread of communion. And remembering what Jesus did for each and every one of us. So as we take the cup, we thank God for forgiveness. For forgiveness as a community, for forgiveness as individuals, and then the life that is given. We have been reconciled through the blood of Jesus Christ. So go ahead and take the cup. Together we say, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death. Oh Lord, until you come, 
and continue to party over pizza and have further conversation with David. But even if you didn't sign up, I bet someone would give up one of their pieces of pizza for you, right? Otherwise, David will have to write a letter about Crossroads Church and not share in their pizza. So we just want to say um, the pizza will be set up on that little, um, that little ledge there. And, and if you'd like to stay and you didn't sign up, we want you to come up first and get a piece of pizza. And um, if you have any questions for David, like something, you know, sat with you in a particular way, just write it on one of the sticky notes, place it on the prayer board, and we're going to open up our next session with your questions and David's responses. And Teshna and uh, Don are going to guide us in that way. I don't know if you know that Teshna and Don have been working with our diversity table for a long time and have given their real efforts and love to this work in different ways throughout the area, whether it's United Way or Teshna. After you were made the whatever, whatever, most high potentate of the Henry Ford Hospital and the county, right, then you just got asked on the state to serve as counsel for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, right, your own sister, your own sister is teaching us all over the state. And so we love that. We just want to say that um, they'll be guiding us in some of the questions and responses. Yes, sir. I also want to uh, give you permission for two things. One, anytime we start off, and I'll read this when we get together, but we say, expect someone to say something stupid and or racist. Therefore, when it happens, you aren't disappointed. So hopefully it gives you some freedom Mm -hmm. to ask whatever question that you have. Also, if you have pushback, that's also fine to ask a question about pushback. A pushback against you. Yeah, but yeah, something I said. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not fragile about it, like, you know, and uh, it'd be good because maybe somebody else might either have that question they might feel insecure about or, you know, they might have a push, the same kind of pushback that you have. And we're just going to talk and dialogue. You generally don't get a chance to do this type of back and forth. So we want to, like, make the most of it. I want to just name it so that you can feel free to really ask whatever question you want to ask. You are loved, right? However you're coming to the table today, you're loved and wanted. And so that's good news. Amen. So will you bless us, Scott? Yeah, so go forth. Be blessed. Those of us that are staying, we thank you, God, for your continued presence in that way. 
through our time with David, for those of us that will be heading out into the life you're inviting us to for the rest of this day and into this week. We receive your blessing for that, God. We pray that your presence would be with each of us, and we receive your goodness. We receive the empowerment and the blessing of the Holy Spirit as we go forth reconciled with you and with one another, God, in Jesus' name. Be blessed, guys. Have a great week. Can we thank David? Thank you.